Good morning. Welcome. Uh, my name is Scott Eberderis. I'm one of the elders here, and I'd like to welcome you if you're here for the first time or if you've been here for a couple, and I just want to say hi because I maybe haven't met you yet. So Washera Community Church's mission is uh, a gathered group of Christians, to, and we are here to give worship to God. That's through prayer, through the reading of his word, and how we live our lives. And we also are here to develop and discover disciples. And the last thing is to love one another fervently. Um, A lot of stuff going on. So the the announcements are out there. Check them out on the website. If you were looking right in front of you, we have a little flyer that we had put put together. So today we're going to be voting on the three deacon nominees. It's a little bit about them. If you haven't met them, um, we'll be voting on that in a little bit. Um, also, the prayer request card should be there as well. If you haven't taken an opportunity to utilize that, please do so. Fill it out. We would love to pray for you. And um, specifically for anything that you have, it would be lifted up. Um, today's communion. So if you didn't get your elements, raise your hand, and one of the ushers in the back will run one up to you so you have that for a little bit later. No, also, WCCK is having an informational meeting today at noon following the Going Deeper session. So if you could stay for that and you're interested in seeing what they have going on, it would be awesome if you'd be there for that. We're going to read from God's Word, and it's uh, 1 Timothy 2. So if you would, please join with me. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God is so good, isn't he? Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you that you would be uh, amongst us. We pray that your spirit would be with us. Your word tells us that we're two or more gathered, Father. You are as well, so we ask that your presence would be here now. Father, we ask for the the worship that we lift up to you would be a a delight to your ear. And uh, the words that are from your your book, the Bible, would be clearly um, brought forward as Adam teaches today. May we have eyes to see and ears to hear. And may you touch our lives, and may we be different when we walk out than how we came in. So, Father God, may your will be done, and we pray these things in your Son. Amen. (laughs) So today we're going to do communion. We do this not often, but we do it. And um, I think I looked at the word communion this morning, and it's related to the word union. Communion is the result of a union with Christ. Doesn't that make sense? So... It's one of the two ordinances that we are commanded to follow, one being communion, the Lord's Supper, and then the other one is baptism, of course. So I think the biggest thing that has to be brought out is that here at WCC, we believe that partaking in communion is for those who have personal faith and trust in Jesus. And the other side of that, there's a warning for those with unconfessed sin, or they don't know Jesus, and they partake. Those people should not. So if I want to read from 1 Corinthians 11, verses 27 and 28. 
Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in, in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So let's take a moment and uh, just confess, be silent before the Lord. If there's anything out there you need to get out, take that time and get it right with him. So we take your elements and we'll take the bread. So this is Jesus. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And as we take the juice, which is a representation of the blood that he shed for us, Jesus' words also, in the same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as, a, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your sacrifice that you gave uh, on our behalf, Father. We ask that you would uh, um, meet us where we're at, that you would uh, draw near as we do the same to you. And, Father God, we would never forget the sacrifice that you did for our behalfs. Um, pray for that. As we move in, um, as the ushers start to, to make their way forward, and we... Um, take an offering. <clears throat> also want to remind you that the ballots are before you. Please do vote for the three individuals that the elders had met with, and uh, we are nominating them for servants as deacons. Just throw that in your offering as well. Um, Father, we just, we just come before you with empty hands. Really, it's all yours. We just heard it in a song. It's all yours. Father, the gifts that we have, the blessings that you bestow, the talents that we have, may it all be back to you tenfold. So as we give with open hearts, may you further um, your kingdom through this local church, this local family. Um, maybe your will be done, Lord. May your will be done. And we pray that in your son. We also, Father, want to lift up those that are out there doing the work, the persecuted church. Father, for those that are undercover in a sense, they, they, they're hiding, but they're doing your work boldly. Give them strength. Give them courage. Give them endurance to um, further your kingdom as well. To be disciple makers in their words, their actions, how they love, how they serve. 
protect them, bind Satan in and around their lives. And Father God, may your kingdom be glorified in that. And we pray that also. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm thankful for the songs that we sang this morning and actually the, the Lord's Prayer. Um, we will get to on the third Sunday. Um, this, hopefully you've got a bulletin. There's, there's notes in there. If you go to a going deeper class uh, afterwards from 11 to 11.45, we'll, you'll be in a group that will talk about this passage of Scripture a little more. But we are on adventure, adventure going forward for the next five months to look at what it means to be a disciple. If we're to make disciples, we need to be a disciple. And who better to look at than our prime example of a disciple maker than Jesus? And so we're going to look at each month, we're going to look at a, an element of what Jesus did with his disciples. Not only are we going to preach and teach on it, but we want to give you some action points, some engagement points in that disciple-making process. And then at the end of the month, we want to have an opportunity for you to be able to get together for a, a debriefing or a time to share how this has impacted your life over the month. And so the very first one that we're going to is prayer, because we know that Jesus, Jesus prayed. He went up on the mountain. He spent all night in prayer at times. Uh, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, which you read this morning, taught his disciples to pray. And uh, we also see that once the church starts out, you can back this off a little bit, Mike. Thank you. Um, when the church started off after Jesus ascended to heaven, we find the church at times praying. They're praying down by the river. They're praying in some of their homes. And, and we find the church gathered up for prayer. So we're going to look at prayer this morning. I called it the grounding of prayer. But when I think of prayer, you know how I like songs and I, it's like music just runs through my head. I mean, it, it, I always go back to, you know, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from this world of care and bids me at my father's throne, make all my wants and wishes known. It's a blind preacher that wrote this song. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief and off escaped the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. How about this one? What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Or down in Sunday school, God answers prayer in the morning. God answers prayer at noon. God answers prayer in the evening to keep our hearts in tune. 
Yeah, I think of those things when I think about prayer. And, and most of all, and I know next Sunday is Mother's Day, I think of my mother, who was a great prayer warrior. I want to talk about the prayer this morning. And um, we're, we're, we're going to go to this passage in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. And I call this the grounding of prayer. And what's happening here is Paul is speaking to Timothy. But really, I want to point out there's four different generations that are going on here. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, um, there's also this four-generation thing. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he tells Timothy, and these things which you have heard from me, so Paul is first generation, he's telling some things to second generation Timothy, these things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men, there's third generation, and then he says, faithful men who will be able to teach others also, there's fourth generation. Now let me go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2, and you're going to see this again, we're going to take Jesus as the first generation. And Jesus touches Paul on the road to Damascus, blinds him, sets him out. He teaches, he teaches Paul. And so Jesus prays, Paul prays, and Paul now is turning to Timothy and saying, you pray. And then now in this passage of scripture, he's saying, you tell the men to what? To pray. Four generations again. Four generations here. In verse 1, it says, first of all, first of all, I should turn on my clicker, shouldn't I? First of all, um, there's a priority here. He wants, he's saying to Timothy, first of all, put this on the top of your list. Over everything else, ever, over everything else, this is so important. First of all, then I exhort. The word for exhort means to encourage. It's, it's not I'm pointing your finger at you. No, I'm coming up alongside of you. And actually, what I'm asking you to do, I am doing myself. So I'm encouraging you, I'm exhorting you to do something I am already doing. Uh, first of all, I exhort that petitions. And he gives us four different words here. Petitions. Those are the burdens that are on your heart. Those are the things that you carry. Maybe it, it has a sense of lack of that there's a lack of something, and therefore you're carrying this burden. Bird, petitions and prayers. The word for prayers is just a general conversation with God. And then he says requests. Some versions say intercessions. So this is the type of prayer where you're not just praying for yourself, you're praying for others. You're thinking of what others are going through, and so you're lifting them up in prayer. And then thanksgivings. So we have these prayers that in the prayer is this thanksgiving. It's We are grateful. If, if at the most basic, we are so grateful that we can talk to our God, that he hears us and we talk to him. Then he says, be made for all men. Be made for all men. So there's, that's a universal request. Paul is telling Timothy, make sure that these kind of prayers are going out for all men. All men. Now, he's going to give you a subset in verse 2 of who's in all men. Who's in all men? So he says, for kings and all who are in authority. That's a subset of all men. He's telling Timothy to tell the men to pray for our civil authorities. Now, on top of that, though, on top of that, 
most of the civil authorities they would have had at that time were Gentiles. They were not Jews. So he's saying, don't just pray for the Jews, but also pray for the Gentiles who have authority over you. So he's making sure that you have these kind of prayers for those that are over us. All kings and all who are in authority, so that, in other words, so that there means it's now it's a purpose statement. This is the reason that you're doing these types of prayers for these civil authorities and for all men. We may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Now, you, you'd probably ask this question. How does this type of prayer lead to tranquil and quiet lives in all godliness and dignity? How does it lead to that? I can see two different ways here. First is that as you gather to pray, as you pray personally yourself for the civil authorities, those that are over you, you are not only praying for them to do their job well and to and to and to govern as 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 would be pleasing to God. I'm I'm assuming we're praying that, but you all be also be praying for their souls. You'd be praying for the salvation of the souls of those that are in these positions that have authority over us. And as we would pray for the salvation of the souls for those that have authority over us, and we would also pray that they would. The, uh, there would be influences upon their lives that would keep them uh, pointed toward what is good and what is bad. That's where governments get out of whack sometimes and civil authorities get out of whack sometimes because they start to honor what is bad and, 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 and condemn what is good. No, we need to pray the other way. We need to pray that they would always see what is good and honor that what is bad and 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 do the justice that is needed there. That's one way I could see it happening. The second way I could see it happening, that we would live tranquil and quiet lives in all godliness and dignity, is that if you are faithfully doing this, if you are faithfully doing this, what are you doing? Every single day, you are getting before your heavenly Father. You're spending time before your heavenly Father. And even though the world can get as mixed up as it possibly can get, Every day you're getting in front of the one who is sovereign, the one who, who, who has provided a heavenly home for you. He, he has a place for you. He has given you eternal life. And you realize, and you can live a tranquil, godly, with dignity life because you realize that, wait a minute, God's in control. And he's going to get me to the other side. And he's going to take care of his flock. And all the promises that God gives in his scripture are going to, are going to be fulfilled. And so even if the world gets as haywire as it wants to, if I'm getting before God every day, the God who owns it all, knows that he is going to take me all the way through, I can lead a tranquil and quiet life because I know he's in control. So verse 2 says that. And then verse 3, he says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. What is this? This type of prayer. This type of prayer that you are praying um, for all men, but also specifically for the civil authorities that are over you. If you're praying these types of prayer for them, this, is, this, this that prayer, that type of prayer, is, is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Then we get to verse 4. 
verse 4, it says, who, so he's going to tell us something about God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the full knowledge of the truth. Now here's another tricky verse that people might go one way or the other with, kind of thing we had one of these a couple weeks ago. Who desires all men to be saved and come to the full knowledge of the truth. Well, will all men be saved and come to the full knowledge of the truth? No, no, we know that. So it's like, okay, well, okay, how do we, what do we do with that verse? If we know, we know it's no, because wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many are on it, and narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life, and few find it. So we know that. So one way that you could look at it, as I said a couple weeks ago, you could say, well, there's a desired will, and there's a declared or decreed will of God, that there's a, he has a desired will that all would be saved. But, but the declared, decreed will of God is that the ones that are saved are those who have, their eyes have been opened. They have turned their eyes toward Jesus, just like the thief on the cross. They've turned their eyes toward Jesus, and they claim him as their king, and, 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 and there's a paradise home for you kind of thing. Those, that's declared will. You confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you shall be saved. You shall be saved kind of thing. That's one way of looking at it, but another way is like sometimes all is not all, okay? Sometimes all, or there's an all within the all. Now you're like, what? There's a, like, like if I was, well, I'll use the passage of Scripture. Pray this for all men. Okay, all men. But then within the all, pray for the king and all the civil authorities. That's an all within the all. Because not all are kings and of, of authority, right? There's an all within the all. So you could look at this and says, he who desires, he, he desires all men, all types of men, to be saved and come to the full knowledge of Christ. The biggest thing that Paul is dealing with at this time is Jews and Gentiles. And what he's dealing with big time is even the Jewish Christians thought Jesus was only for the who? The Jews. And Paul is always stressing, no, he's not just for the Jews. He's also for the Gentiles. No, he's not just for the Jews. He's for all men, even the Gentiles, all men. I, I put up there Revelation chapter 7, and verse, starting in verse 9, John says this, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples, and tongues. So were there all the people of those tribes? No, but that there was a representation from every tribe doing this, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches were in their hands, and they cry out with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God. That that proclamation, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, would be made by all men of all all tribes that are there. So you could look at it that way, okay? But the main point here is the desire that all to be saved. To be saved is a verb that is passive. That means it's being done to you. You are not saving yourself. No, he desires all men to be saved. This is something that is, is, is done for you. So you are receiving it. You're passive. But the second part of that, to come to the full knowledge of God, to come to is active. That's active verb. 
So that's your response back to this. This salvation that has been provided for you. Remember, God provided it. Jesus purchased it. The Holy Spirit's polishing it. Okay, that salvation that has been provided for you, now you actively respond to it. You respond with obedience. You respond with submission. You respond with a a, a following into his footsteps. He desires all men to be saved and come to the full knowledge of the truth. What's great is then he gives some answers to what is this truth? What is this truth? Some truth components here. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Here's truth. There's not many gods. There's one God. And there's one mediator between God and man. And then he names them. And that mediator who is between God and man is Christ Jesus, the anointed one, the sent one from God. He's giving you some truth here that we are to hold on to. And what's interesting is he starts off this passage by talking about prayer, pray for all men. And then he'll end the passage in verse 8 saying uh, that men would pray everywhere. And in the middle of those two, then he gives you, he says, I need to tell you the gospel. I need to tell you the gospel. I need to tell you that there's God. And there's a God who's provided a mediator between you and him. And his name is Christ Jesus. And then if we go to the next verse, verse 6, he keeps going. Because now he he wants to tell you about Christ Jesus, who gave himself. This mediator gave himself. The word for gave there, I mean, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But also John 10, 16 through 18, where Jesus says, I lay my life down. No one takes it from me. No, I willingly lay down my life for my sheep, for my sheep. So he who gave himself, well, how did he give himself as a ransom for all? And there's that word all again, you have to deal with. But a ransom given in exchange for another as a price of redemption. So this mediator named Christ Jesus willingly gave himself as as a ransom, as a price, the price to be paid so that you could be redeemed. Okay, we got a little farther. Then he says the witness, the witness for this proper time. The witness, the the Greek word there, we get the word martyr. So how did he give himself as a ransom? He did it in a martyrdom way. That he would give his very life for you to have redemption, is you would have redemption. So you, you can look at those two verses right there and go, wow, there's the gospel. We have a God. We have a God who provided a mediator, and, his, and, and that mediator is Christ Jesus. And he became that mediator. He became that mediator by being a willing, willingly, willing sacrifice, a willing servant of this, to give to pay the actual price so that you could be redeemed. And the price that was paid for you to be redeemed was to give his very life as a martyr. In the midst of this thing on prayer, he says, I want to remind you of the gospel. I want you to remind you of the gospel of how you have been saved through Jesus Christ. Then in verse 7, he says, um, 
For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. Now, in verse 2, if we were praying for the civil authorities, in verse 7, I think he's calling out for them to pray for the spiritual authorities. He says, for this, I was appointed. That verb, again, there is in passive form, meaning that, that this calling on of God onto his life. It's not that Paul goes, I want to be a preacher. I'm going to be a preacher kind of thing. It's not that at all. No, it's a calling of his, of his life on, on his life that, that God has called him, placed it upon him, set him as a preacher and an apostle. And that is so true, and I, I can only say that to you because, because that happened to me. This is not an easy position to be in. But God has called, and he calls men everywhere. He brings them to a point, and, and you realize that, wait a minute, it's not because I'm a good preacher or a good speaker or anything else. I have no authority in myself. The only authority I have is the word of God. That is all I have. And, and yeah, I could do a lot of different things. And I have done a lot of different things at the same time. But I can't walk away from this. I can't walk away from being a proclaimer of God's word. And so here's Paul saying that, and, and, and you just think back to Paul's life. Was it easy going? No. Man, he got beat up, shipwrecked, everything happening. Did he throw in the towel and walk the other way? <laughs> no. Why? Because he was appointed. It was set upon him to be a preacher and apostle. And then he says, I, I am telling you the truth. I am not lying. That just lets you know that. There are people that are saying, Paul's lying. There's opposition that is happening against Paul. And so I think this is really him calling out to say, pray for me, pray for me, next line, as a teacher of the Gentiles in the faith and truth. And again, I go back to this was the biggest thing he was dealing with. He was dealing with this, this whole thing that this gospel was for all men. It wasn't just for the Jews. But it was also for the Gentiles. It wasn't just for Jerusalem. It was for the whole world. And there were people at that time that were like, ah, I don't think so. And there were the, the Jewish Christian church in, in Jerusalem. They had a big conference about this. And Paul and Peter both came in and, and said, wait a minute. No, 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 no. It's for all people. All people. Now, I think we understand that, and we, we, we know that. We, we know it's for all people. But sometimes we don't act that way. Well, we're not dealing with the Jews and the Gentile thing today, okay? We're not dealing with that. But there are sometimes, there are certain people that we think it's not for. The gospel is for all people. All people. Not just certain people, certain people that look a certain way, certain people that act a certain way. No, the gospel is for all people. And, and sometimes when you, when you do that, 
it's tough. Be praying for your teachers. Be praying for your preachers. Be praying for those that He has spiritually put over you as they continue to follow this calling that God has put on their life to be a preacher of God's Word and to hold to God's Word. Then verse 8, verse 8 says, therefore, um, therefore, I want the men. And when he says the men, that's the is a definite article. And then men there specifically is gender specific. It's not that women aren't to pray. No, they, they, they pray a lot. And probably the women have probably prayed more than the men in most churches. But Tim, Paul tells Timothy, make sure that you tell the men. So I'm, ta- I'm talking to the men this morning. In every place to pray. Now, every place. Again, not just in Jerusalem, not just in Israel. But maybe you could see Paul <laughs> expounding on this and saying, no, I want the men in every place. In Philippi, in Asia Minor, in Rome, in Spain, in Antioch. I want the men in every place, every place to pray to pray, and then he finishes it with lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Uh, For hands to be holy, you need to deal with wrath. Wrath or anger. At the root of that word is an action, almost like blows. He says deal with that. And then the dissension, the dissension deals with the thought, deals with the mind. So twofold here, that if I'm going to hold up holy hands and pray, and I think, I think sometimes it is so you'll look at your hands. Are these hands holy? Are there, are there things in my life where I'm, I'm, just about, I'm just about there, you know, with situation, or, or this is running wild up here. To say, wait a minute, if I'm going to pray, I need to take care of those situations. I need to ask for God's guidance in what to do in those situations so that I can lift up holy hands in prayer to Him. And He's specifically saying that to the men. That we would be the prayer warriors. We would be the prayer warriors. I want to say one more thing about lifting up. Um, maybe you were raised in a church like me. Um, we didn't lift up our hands, okay? We, rarely, rarely. Now, we knew in the scriptures that it talked about people lifting up their hands. We knew that. We knew that. But we just didn't do that. We just didn't do that. You know, we kind of sat on our hands, you know, kind of thing. Here was the problem, is that we knew that in scriptures it says that at times they lift up their hands. We, we knew that. But when someone in our church would lift up their hands, you know, we were like, like, what's going on over there? Somebody's doing something different, kind of thing. But the bad part was when your mind went to run and you would say, you know what? They're just putting on a show. They're just putting on a show. They're just putting up their hands. Everybody sees them. Wow, look at how holy I am. 
That's danger zone there. But just to remind us again, remind myself again, I'm just going to run through a few of these scriptures. Exodus chapter 9, verse 29, Moses is standing before Pharaoh. And Moses said, behold, I am going, um, yeah, I am going out from you, and I shall entreat Yahweh, or God, with the, boy, I'm in, I'm in chapter 9, chapter 9, verse 29. That was a good verse too, though. But anyways, and Moses said to him, said to Yahweh, it said to Pharaoh, as soon as I go out of the city, I will spread out my hands to Yahweh, to God. And the thunder will cease, and there will be hail no longer, that you may know that the earth is Yahweh's, is God's. And if you go down to verse 33, and Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands to Yahweh, to God. And the thunder and hail ceased, and rain no longer poured on the earth. What did Moses do? The man. He lifted up his hands before his God. Before his God. Let me give you another one. Uh, in first, uh, first Kings, we see uh, King Solomon. And he's going to do the same thing. First Kings chapter 8 and verse 2. 22, and it says, Then Solomon stood before the altar of Yahweh, or God, before all the assembly of Israel, and he spread out his hands toward heaven. And then he goes into a prayer. So you see him doing it. Let's go to Psalms. There's a lot of them in Psalms. Psalms uh, 60, 28, 28 and 2. This one really relates to what we're saying this morning. Hear the voice of my supplications. So someone's praying. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry out to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your holy sanctuary. Lift up your holy hands. Psalm uh, 63 and verse 4. This says, thus I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. I will lift up my hands in your name. And then it's always good to look at Jesus. Luke chapter 24, and verse 50, right toward the end. And it says, and he, Jesus, led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. He blessed them. Just kind of a side note there. For us to realize that, yeah, metaphorically, he could have been saying, lifting up holy hands, make sure that you lift up holy hands when you pray. Because that metaphorically, you know, like, okay, go through the exercise of making sure that there is not anger or dissension or wrath or dissension going on as you pray to God. But I think not only metaphorically, but physically. So it does something when you look at your hands. You want to look at your hands? Put your hands out in front of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at your hands. Say, and ask the question, are these holy hands? Are there, are there things that are unresolved? And if there are, you know, it's kind of like a, just a visual point. If there are, then what do I need to do? I need to take care of those things so that I can do what with these hands? Raise them up in praise to him. Raise them up in praise to him. So this morning is the start of, of five months of looking at different discipleship practices that Jesus did. 
And we don't want to just teach and preach on it. We want you to engage in that practice. And so the first one is prayer. And I want to give you some possible prayer engagement points this month. One of them is this, that we're going to have another prayer week. We had one during Holy Week. We're going to have another one, May, May 22nd through May 26th. We've adjusted the times a little bit, but the sanctuary will be open from 6.30 to 8.30 in the morning. And you come in and you've got those prayer cards and please start filling out those prayer cards. There's a basket in the back to put them. There's prayer cards will be all over the platform. You come in, come and go as you can. um, And you pick up some cards and you pray for those. You see other people, you pray with them. All that happens from 6.30 to 8.30. And then we're going to add on from noon to one. Sanctuary will be open. Then we're adding on also a Tuesday night session from 6.30 to 7.30 in the sanctuary here. And then on Thursday, we have to move down to the rock room, but we'll be down in the rock room from 6.30 to 7.30 down in the rock room. So there's one way that you can engage in prayer, and I really encourage you to come to one of those. It's just come and go. It's a time to be before God and to spend some time in prayer with Him. And especially start filling out those prayer cards and putting them in that basket back there so we have plenty of things to pray about. There's one. Here's the second one. Be on the prayer team. You said the prayer team. I didn't know we had a prayer team. Yeah, we do now, right now. As soon as there's one name on that sheet out there, we have a prayer team. What you're doing as in this one, this is a little more ongoing, is you're saying, yeah, I want to commit. I'm going to commit to one Sunday a month I'm going to come in at 9 o'clock, and I'm going to join others in the library, and we're going to spend that time praying for our services. And so if you put your name down on there, we'll get back with you, and we'll assign you a Sunday. So maybe maybe you're the second Sunday of the month. And so the second Sunday of the month rolls around. We'll probably have some reminders and all that kind of stuff going on. A second Sunday of the month rolls around. You go, oh, I need to be at church at 9 because I'm going to meet in the library with other people, and we're going to pray for the services that day. Okay, That's a little longer commitment there, but very much needed. Third one, this one is more on your own. This is really on your own. You create a prayer triad. So you say, hey, I got a couple buddies, or I got a couple gals, and I'm going to call them up and say, hey, can we get together for the next four weeks, once a week, Can we get together specifically just to pray? Now, we can do this in person. We can do this over the phone. We can do this by video. But we're going to get together for the next four weeks, and we're going to team up, and we're going to have some time to pray. Now, that's all on your own. The church isn't trying to regulate that or anything else. You're going to have to have that burden on your heart to say, I'm going to call two of my gal friends. I'm going to call two of my buds and say, let's do this for the next four weeks. Let's get together once a week and come for prayer. And then the last one is a going deeper class. On May 21st is our last uh, going deeper class, our last come for more class before we go into the summer. On that Sunday, on that Sunday, I want to invite you to, even if you don't go to a going deeper class, to join one of them. There's one in this corner, one in that corner, one in the parent room, two downstairs. And during that time, the leader in those groups 
will lead the group in a group prayer. Time of praying together for that 45 minutes. So there's, even if you've never went to one, this one is specifically to say, I'm going to gather up together with other believers and the leader will be there and lead in prayer, a prayer time together. Okay? So there's, those are the four different things. Different ways that you engage. Prayer week. Be on the prayer team. Create a prayer triad or attend that going deeper class, okay? Really encourage you. You can do all if you want to. But I really encourage you to be a part of something. And, and then the last thing is this. There'll be a follow-up session. I call this pavilion praise because we have a pavilion. And there'll be praise. Um, on Sunday, May 28th at 5 o'clock, We'll meet down at the pavilion. We'll have a few songs and some scripture. But it's a time for us to get back together and for us to say, to share with one another. How Maybe there was an answer to prayer. Maybe, maybe there was something that you realized during this time of prayer that you can share with somebody else. And it probably will be an encouragement to others that are there. But we'll gather back up together and we'll share our experiences about taking this time this month to focus more in on prayer, this communication we have with God. So you have those in your bulletin, but you'll see them, you'll see them again every Sunday, because I'm going to encourage you every Sunday about being a part of prayer. So would you stand with us? And we'll pray and close with a song. So Heavenly Father, thank you for the instruction that Paul gave to Timothy. And in all parts of that, this is challenging to be people of prayer. But Lord, help us to, to come ever before you, our Heavenly Father, even as we pray for our civil authorities. That, 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 that keeps us grounded, that keeps us centered. Because we're coming before our Father who provided our salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ as we pray for others, and especially for the salvation of their souls. And Lord, help us as we pray for our spiritual authorities. Pray for those that, that guide your church, your flock, through this time that we're in right now, that we hold true to your word, that we hold true to the gospel, that we hold true to that. And Lord, that we would be a praying people, especially the men would lift up holy hands in prayer. That we have come before you, we confess, we ask for forgiveness, we lead the charge in that we are, trying, we are living our lives, striving to follow after you. So Heavenly Father, help us. Help us in this month of prayer to, be a, to even be greater in our prayer efforts, Lord for souls, for this community, for our country, all men, all places, everywhere, Lord, that they would know about you, in my precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So, you're closing. You know, it's really an honor to be an elder at this time. And the other elders might be like, whoa, no, maybe not, because it's been hard. But you know, writing this local's church in the direction we're going and, and some of the changes we made 
has been really a cool thing. You know, making disciples, getting deeper in his word, coming together and unifying as a family, praising God. And then prayer, right? So great words. And so I always ask myself, so what? Now what? Yeah, I heard it. What do I do? You know, prayer is really important for us, and we, it's an act of service to him and, and obedience to him. If Jesus thought it was worthwhile, shouldn't we? Right? And the prayers that are unanswered or unprayed will be the ones that are so-called unanswered. So we have to lift them up. Here's some harsh words. You may think they're harsh, but I'm going to tell you as an elder. Church, a lack of prayer demonstrates a lack of faith and trust in him. All right? May it never be. May we not be that. May we go to God's glory. May we go to his throne in glory, right? And give it to him. I just, you know, there's, there's so many ways we can just honor him. And prayer is the best way. So when we're done here, Danny will be in the corner praying and others will be there. Take an opportunity and make it part of your day. May you go in peace and the love of, our G- of Jesus Christ. And may all you do this week bring glory to him. We pray this in his son. Amen.